Hey, is this thing on? Welcome to Maddox on the Mic, a legal podcast presented by Maddox, an independent Australian law firm. Hi, and welcome to Maddox on the Mic. You're listening to Watchdog Season 3, where we will be looking at key developments in the area of competition and consumer law that might arise during the year, both enforcement and regulatory. My name is Sean Temby. I'm a partner in the dispute resolution and litigation team at Maddox. I'm also the editor of our annual publication, the ACCC Year in Review, which is available on our website. Back on the mic with me today is special counsel, Chris Marsh. Chris specialises in competition and consumer law advice and litigation. He advises clients on general contractual and commercial disputes. You might remember Chris from our last season of Watchdog. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Hello, good to be here. All right, so today we are talking about uh, the ACCC proceedings against the global food company, Retail Food Group, Uh, and in particular, with the surprise announcement at the end of 2022, made by the ACCC that it was settling its long-running proceedings against Retail Food Group rather than taking it all the way through to trial. So by background, in December of 2020, the ACCC commenced proceedings against RFG or, or Retail Food Group. And uh, in those proceedings, it alleged that uh, RFG acted unconscionably and made false and misleading representations towards franchisees by engaging in a range of conduct. And while the proceedings were commenced in December 2020 by the ACCC, this story has um, a much longer and more troubled history. This really rose out of some investigations by Adele Ferguson, published in the Sydney Morning Herald throughout 2017, where various allegations were made by her uh, reporting on statements made by franchisees that Retail Food Group was behaving in some pretty poor conduct. And that then led to ultimately or contributed to the decision by the government of the day to launch a Senate inquiry into fairness and franchising, which took up a lot of time in uh, in 2018, a lot of media attention, and ultimately led to the publication of a fairly detailed and comprehensive report. And we have summarised all of that available on our website if you're interested in, the, in that inquiry and the report itself. But it led to the publication of a report into fairness and franchising that was published by the Senate. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about the outcome of that inquiry, you know, relevant to, um, in particular, the Retail Food Group. It was a big one. I mean, Retail Food Group took up an entire chapter in that report. So that gives us some indication of the level of importance that the Senate inquiry gave to the reports that it received throughout that inquiry about RFG's conduct. And that's in respect of a number of different franchise systems that operate into in Australia. So we're talking Donut King, Brumbies, Michelle's Patisserie, Gloria Jeans, and a number of others as well. So it made some fairly scathing remarks. It said it was an example of a franchisor who was taking advantage of an insufficient regulatory framework. It, it recommended that the ACCC, ASIC and the ATO all conduct investigations into RFG and its former and current directors at the time. And it went so far as to say that RFG had damaged the reputation of franchising in Australia and that the franchisor took advantage of the power imbalance implicit in the franchisor-franchisee relationship. They also called out some 
alleged churning and burning conduct as well, where RFG allegedly um, repeatedly sold failed sites to to new operators or or launched new outlets regardless of whether they were commercially viable or not. Yeah, it was uh, certainly big findings that the Fairness and Franchise Report made against RFG. Yeah, I mean, basically throwing the book at them in terms of asking all of you know all government agencies that possibly have some sort of prosecutorial role to take some action. But obviously, you know, those those findings were published, I think, in 2019. And yet it was um, it was quite some time before the ACCC actually commenced proceedings of December 2020. What actions or what allegations, I should say, were made in those proceedings by the ACCC? I think the starting point is that we all were querying, is the ACCC actually going to do anything about this? Because well, that's true. so much so much time had elapsed. Now, ACCC's investigations obviously take time and they need to make sure they have all their ducks in a row before they pull the trigger on commencing proceedings. Definitely. But I think a lot of us were thinking, what's going to happen here? Is, are they actually going to do anything? There was certainly were going on behind the scenes throughout 2020. Just, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. And we we commented on that a couple of times in our ACCC year in review publications, just saying, where, where are the proceedings? So then we got to December 2020 when the ACCC commenced proceedings. And unsurprisingly, we saw allegations of unconscionable conduct and misleading and deceptive conduct. And the ACCC really picked out I guess, two main limbs of conduct that it was concerned with. The first was to do with use or alleged misuse of the marketing fund, which plays an important role in franchise systems. And the ACCC effectively said that, well, RFG used the marketing fund for expenses that weren't properly characterised as marketing expenses, such as the wages of executives and employees that didn't work in the marketing areas. In particular, the Michelle's Patisserie Marketing Fund, um, the ACCC alleged that paid around $22 million to cover a range of operational and other non-marketing expenses, including implementing a new business model, which was changing from kind of fresh cakes to frozen cakes in um, franchise stores. So there was the misuse of marketing fund and the, and the failure to disclose all that conduct to the franchisees on the one hand. And the second limb was the withholding of uh, important financial information from incoming franchisees who were purchasing or licensing some of these stores. RFG claimed in some of the documents, the disclosure document and the like, that it couldn't estimate earnings for some of these franchises when in reality the ACCC says it could because it was well aware that the stores that were being sold uh, had been loss making in, in either that current year or, or the previous year. So they were um, the two main limbs. Yeah. And look, let's talk about the marketing side of it first because marketing funds have been a focus of attention with the ACCC for quite a while. I had some uh, proceedings in the last couple of years around particular disclosure and the annual statements and explaining to people, you know, prospective franchisees and actual franchisees about what you're going to do with their money and having sufficient level of detail for that disclosure to be meaningful. That's been one area of focus for the Commission. This is really new, isn't it, though, um, around ensuring that when you're spending money on marketing, that it is actually going towards what you said you were going to spend it on and also things that are, you know, have a relationship to marketing. And you do see... You know, it's not uncommon in franchise systems whereby people look at whether they outsource it all and spend a certain amount of money or they decide they can get better value for money with a specialised team as employees. So that's not unusual. I guess where where does it cross the line, do you think? And why was this of interest to the Commission? I think you've got to look at the trust franchisees place in franchisors in order to assist them with running the business. And, you know, they're paying significant amounts of money into the marketing fund on a regular basis for each year that the, the contract is on foot. And 
given that power and information imbalance, that's where the heart of this lies, I think. Yeah. The two things that kind of jumped out at me as well, the suggestion that Retail Food Group was using some of the marketing funds for the cost of implementing a business model change. Obviously, businesses have to change and adapt over time. Franchise businesses are, are exactly the same as that. But it seems to me, at least on the face of it, that those sort of costs around business model changes, you know, it's the franchisor who decides they want to change the business model. It should therefore be on the face of it, at least it should be the franchisor's cost. They shouldn't be dipping into the marketing fund in order to fund a change in the business model that they've decided is necessary. So I can understand why the commission has some concerns about that. And I mean, taking a sensible approach to it, is it a marketing or business development cost? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's the other piece, which is what happens over time in franchise systems is that what starts out a very simple, oh, we're bringing some of it in-house and we're going to save you lots of money. As businesses are placed under pressure and they're looking to try and defray costs and offset expenses, there is a temptation. I'm not saying this happened in Retail Food Group, but, you know, there's a temptation that to dip into the marketing fund to cover more and more expenses and more and more costs. And there's a risk that it moves away from that pure kind of marketing fund. Function or, or even the disclosed marketing functions as well. And I guess the commission was concerned about in this in this case. Yeah, and particularly where you try to hide some of the use for which the, the money is put as well. That's that vague and opaque information that was in the annual audited statements, for example, in, in this case that um, was of particular concern as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go way back. I'm going to go back to churning and burning in the Senate report into fairness and franchising because it got a lot of attention and it got a lot of media attention as well. But there wasn't actually a definition of churning and burning. There was some, or not a legal, legally acceptable form of definition of churning and burning. Like how many stores do you need to sell before you churn, or how often do you need to sell them before it's churning? And how many new stores do you need to open before it's burning? Is it relative? Is it absolute? I mean, it was quite a vague concept. But interestingly, those allegations of churning and burning that were made didn't make it into the proceedings, did they? No, I mean, as you said, these were really serious issues that the Fairness in Franchising report raised. Press picked up on them, again, garnered a lot of ongoing press coverage. And that even dated back to the original SMH investigation as well. And yeah, that's right. And burning allegations. So, yeah, the suggestions that the, the systems were making money just by selling all of these locations. And um, reselling, sorry, yeah. And reselling over and above just normal business. I guess we would have expected the ACCC to have made reference to this in the proceedings. They really didn't. They, they chose, as I said, two important classes of conduct that relevant to the operation of franchises in Australia. But it was yeah, all they, they, they obviously business. had some stuff on poor disclosure of financial information to franchisees. But that seems to me to be like the tip of the iceberg of a churning and burning allegation. What did they say in particular about the failure to provide information? Is there anything else you can say on that, do you think, that, that might be helpful for our listeners? Well, well, I think there was an allegation that they withheld financial information from the purchases of some of these stores. So there was alleged mis- misrepresentations about the financial performance of some of these stores that were being sold. So yeah. I guess on one view, those allegations do, I guess, cover to some extent some of these churning and burning allegations. Yeah, but not to, certainly, not to the certainly churning, because burning would yeah. suggest new green sites and stuff like that. Yeah. Before we move off churning and burning, the other thing that's worth commenting on, of course, is that um, there was a, a number of different waves of amendment to the code that followed the Senate inquiry. None of them have addressed churning and burning, despite all no. the media attention that um, that it received. All right, I'm interested then, obviously you've got these high-profile allegations, you've got the ACCC taking some time to bring the proceedings 
Proceedings are then launched in December 2020. And then, of course, we have the shock announcement late last year that the ACCC had settled the proceedings uh, and had done so without any admission of liability on the part of retail food group. So what can you tell us about the basis of the settlement? Yeah, this all happened just in the lead up to Christmas 2022. And I remember reading it on my phone and texting you at the time thinking, wow, that's that was very surprising. So RFG wasn't required to make any admissions as part of the settlement, but they have executed a court enforceable undertaking and agreed to take certain steps. I guess the two significant ones are they're waiving some debts owed by a number of current and former franchisees and making payments to some affected franchisees to the tune of about $10 million, we think. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're also paying an additional $5 million to franchisees that contributed levies to the marketing fund, which we mentioned before. So it's great. So about $15 million in recompense. Um, So it's great, you know, some of these franchisees who um, were so affected by this conduct are getting some kind of compensation without having to, I guess, wait for a trial, which could be another, what, 12, 18 months down the road from now. Yeah. That having that certainty and getting, a, you know, a, a, an outcome where they're actually getting some money back in the hand. I can understand why that was of interest to the ACCC and certainly would be of interest to those franchisees. But, I mean, as you say, it was a shock. No penalties, no admissions of wrongdoing. And I think really regrettably, no test cases on some pretty important areas of the co- of the franchising code of conduct. I think it was a real missed opportunity. Yeah, I mean, before he left, as chair and Rod Sims said it was the most important franchise case he could remember. Yeah. There's a real lack of judicial guidance on the interpretation of some of these provisions and of the code and then how some of this conduct fits into the scope of unconscionability and bad faith and it was screaming out a judgment. I mean, we're putting our lawyers' hats here on, of course. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is a it is a legal podcast. Yeah. But no, I think you're right. I, it was a real missed opportunity for some clear authority to be established on these important issues, particularly given the build-up, the, yeah. the big SMH investigation in 2017, and then we were also, you know, waiting. We were waiting for the proceedings to be commenced. They finally were in December 2020s. Rod, yeah, Rod Sims described it as the most important franchise in case he could remember. And rather than taking it through and establishing some authority on these things, you know, running the test case, they, the ACCC blinked. And I, you know, I've said it in other forums. I wonder, I speculate whether or not this represents a change in focus for the uh, the ACCC under the new chair, Ms. Jenna Cascotley. Rod Sims, the former chair of the uh, ACCC, was willing and did run test cases and was willing to to run those test cases and lose because it would provide greater clarity on the meaning and the application of the law. And I wonder, I wonder whether the Commission's priorities have changed with the change of chair. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, could it be that we're now seeing a more focus on timely and cost-efficient resolutions to try and deliver strong outcomes for the for the parties involved but not necessarily you know test cases that that really provide clear judicial guidance on some of these issues yeah i mean it's interesting i think we might a time will tell whether whether i'm correct or not instinct tells me that a, a partner of a commercial law firm, you know, where we're under significant pressure to deliver results quickly and efficiently and cost effectively, whether or not that just doesn't, whether you don't carry that with you into your new role, it's a different role, different responsibilities, but, you know, that focus on quick and cost effective, pragmatic outcomes, Miss Cascot Lee would have lived with those for a very long time. 
I wonder whether it, it's going to, it remains part of her thinking. Yeah, I guess the other thing to say about the settlement of the RFG proceedings in particular is we don't know what was going on in the rooms. We don't know, did the evidence come up to proof? Was yeah. were there issues with the evidence gathering or the way everything looked, which led to the decision? There has to be more going on in that yeah. realm than, than what we know as well. That's true. We have seen other cases where um, they struggled to get people who are willing to testify against people on the other side and uh, particularly where there remains a relationship and a power imbalance. Maybe that was a factor. So we don't know. But uh, it's definitely from my point of view, I watch this space and we'll see how that plays out as, you know, throughout the year and as the ACCC brings further cases and, and I guess settles them. Or not as the case may be. So it yeah. really is a watch this space. <laughs> Great. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed uh, the episode. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to myself or to Chris. Our details are in the show notes. Thanks very much, everybody. Looking forward to next time. Thanks for tuning in to Maddox on the Mic. If you'd like more information on any of the topics discussed in today's episode, visit the Maddox website, maddox.com.au. This podcast is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.